Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today we have just so many topics to go into. One of them is, of course, we have to comment on Fly and Ted, if only briefly. And we wanted to also a little bit get into why Texas has found itself out in the cold. Mm. And if we have a moment to touch on Justin Timberlake's apology to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson. I had a smorgasbord of things that I watched. Probably the most talked about one is Nomadland with Frances McDormand. And that's free on Hulu. I also watched something that you might be interested in, although it's for straight men. It's called Another Round by Thomas Wittenberger, who is a very well-known Danish. What's the name of that? Danish dogma. He's formerly a dogma director. And after I get off this Zoom call with you, I'm going to watch Farrell versus Allen or Allen versus Farrell, whichever it is. Oh. The documentary on the divorce, not divorce, they were never married, but the custody battle or the custody battle, but also the accusation by their adopted daughter, Dylan, at the age of seven that she had been molested by Woody Allen. Wow. I think that's a four part documentary series on HBO Max. Hmm. So, shall we? talk for a moment about Fly and Ted? Sure. I guess my big question about him is whether this is going to be a career ender because Gavin Newsom has suffered mightily from that dinner that he had at French Laundry when everyone else was quarantined. Oh, right. And there's now a huge, well, it's a Republican-led recall against him, the recall oh, really? campaign. Against, yes. Oh, against Newsom. Yeah, Gavin Newsom. Right. But I'm just wondering how long the memories of the Republican voters are going to be for mm-hmm. this little piece of business. I mean, it was pretty flagrant. Mm-hmm. It was pretty bad. Well, I don't think it will harm him because people, they hold that against you if your image conflicts with what you've done. He has no image yeah. of being a decent person. He's always been an obnoxious, rude, Trumpish bore. And so the fact that he did that doesn't conflict too much with people's preconceptions about him. Or someone like Newsom yes. was the Democratic savior who was supposed to hold us to higher standards. So yes. it's going to hurt him more because it's more out of step with the image he's trying to project. That's a very good point. And I think you're right. At the end of the day, people will be pissed off, but he'll be in the Trump camp. Mm -hmm. And the people who want Trump and believe in him will vote for Cruz. They'll almost vote for him. Like we've said about what we used to say. Oh, isn't that lovely to say? (laughs) Like we used to say when that past president, I can't quite recall his name, but that last one, they don't vote for him in spite of it. They'll vote for him in part because of it. I don't know what you call that outlook of nihilism or something where they're just about breaking the store no matter what. And uh-huh. I don't think yeah. it'll hurt him. It might hurt him around the edges the way, well, you know, Trump's behavior hurt just enough around the edges and for those two people in Georgia to get voted in. Just enough. Yeah, but that's his, true. his core people are still completely behind. Well, that's how Aurora got within spitting distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't so far behind so he did have a challenger that's right could have if you think about it if that vote were held today i'm not sure that beto would be a viable candidate but it could look more favorable toward him with those few people taken out definitely if it's close and it harms crews around the edges it could make a difference yeah because he's not going to be challenged on the right
right by in a primary because he's so far right himself. That's right. And we don't know how that whole Republican internecine squabble is going to turn out. We don't know yet if the party's going to split up, if right. what's their name, Cheney, if the Liz Cheney contingent starts to ascend. It, you know, we just don't know what that's going to look like in a year or two or three. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting. I just have to say that it is so galling, though. It is really so galling that someone like Cruz can get away with something oh, like it is. that. Well, that was what was so painful about that last guy that was president. Yeah, that last too. guy. The, the former guy, as yeah, uh, yeah. as Biden called him. That's what was added insult to injury, that the things yeah. he said and did were so horrible, but the lack of objection to it was even worse. One thing I noticed is that since the Senate was on recess this week, mm -hmm. it was a really slow news week, and they got to spend a lot of time on the Ted Cruz thing. He did pick a really bad week to <laughs> make himself look bad. He did. One wonderful thing about this is that it gave Saturday Night Live a chance to let AD Bryant play Ted Cruz. And oh, I missed it. She was brilliant. I had to she watch really it. got him down. It was just great. Did she have that unctuous quality? Oh, she did. It's like a talk show and she walks on and she's, she's got a, a carry-on suitcase, a roller bag <laughs> in one hand and a frozen margarita in the other. <laughs> Good for her. Good for yeah. them. Oh yeah, and it was it was Britney Spears, speaking of which, I know we're going to talk about her later in the sketch. It was her interview show. So she was interviewing Ted Cruz. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. So someone was playing Britney Spears. And someone else was playing Britney Spears. Oh, I've got to watch it. I have got to watch it. It was an um, actress under 50, so of course I didn't know her name. <laughs> The other way I could tell it was a slow news week was how much time was spent on Texas. Oh, was, yeah. Texas was front and center. I mean, more so than the pandemic. All this week, there right. was no end of news about Texas being in the snow, without electricity, without water. It just went on and on and on. And, but it, I mean, it really is a disaster. It's not it's a terrible. It's not just a cold snap. You know, it's, yes. it's people without water, without food, without heat for long periods of time. Five days is what I, I think the median amount of time that mm -hmm. it lasted for the most people. But what I read was that 70 people have died in the country from this cold and that 30 died in Texas. Okay. That's a lot of mortality. Right. That's right. That's yeah, bad. no, it's, it's very biblical. It's on a huge scale. Yes, um, it is. Because of COVID and everybody's gone back to different places. A lot of the students that I work with, one was there and she survived it, but she said it was hard. And I've talked to a couple of other people who are there who are shaken a lot from what happened. Oh, wow. Well, I've been listening to and reading a lot about why they had this disaster happen. And you know, it's because Texas has gone it alone as far as their electricity is concerned, that the eastern seaboard and the western seaboard all share, I mean, not between them, each of them is interconnected between the right. states. And that Texas has its own service, ERCOT, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, is the entity that oversees the Texas electrical system. And even Rick Perry was saying, well, Texans would rather go it alone than have the government interfere with their utilities. And he was the head of energy. Department of Energy. Department of Energy. And it's that kind of when Greg Abbott, the governor, got on television and said, well, it's because of the wind and the solar that froze. And this is why the Green New right. Deal is a terrible idea for us. 
Right. It's just amazing how Republicans will take a disaster for which they're partly responsible for and just blame it on something else entirely. Yeah. Well, they were responsible for getting them into it because of these kind of go it alone energy policies. And it's new, too, because it wasn't that long ago that Texas just decided that they were going to be solo. Right. It's typical of these states, these red states. I know Texas is turning purplish, which is nice. But I mean, these red states that think of the federal government as evil, and yet they're the ones who need and actually pull the most federal funding and aid because they're in such bad shape all the time. I was listening to someone talking about that very thing, and they said it very succinctly, that Ted Cruz was a symbol of someone who doesn't believe in government, leaving a state that doesn't believe in government just when they need the government to step in and help them out. Right. So it's actually right in character for him to do that. It is. And the idea that really, I think, was very much put forward by Reagan. I think Reagan was the originator of this idea that the scariest words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. So And government can't solve the problem. Government is the problem. Is the problem. Well, we're getting and, a big dose of the opposite of that now with Biden and with the COVID relief and all of those things that are in the works that hopefully will pass. And the legacy of FDR and big government kind of held on through Reagan. Yeah. And what I've been hearing and, and reading is that this is really Biden's time mm-hmm. to look at FDR and think about big systemic changes. Yes, yes. Big and infrastructure it's... changes, changes mm-hmm. to the way the economy works, changes to the way the inequity in the economy works. Right. All yeah. And I things. think the moment may be right for it, too, because you don't hear a bunch of screaming from the mega no. right about no. what Biden's trying to do with COVID relief. And I think there's healthcare initiatives coming up soon as well. It may be good that his first two or three times running for president, he didn't do so well. Maybe this is his time. I think this is his time. And, you know, the GOP just cannot sell the fact that this is an evil thing that Biden is doing. Right. This COVID relief. They just cannot sell it. Yeah. Even with Susan Collins with her little fake hand wringing about, oh, people shouldn't get a relief check if they're middle class. It should only go to the very lowest of the low. And the whole country's going like, no, you're wrong, you know. And you know she doesn't even believe it. But she has to say that because I guess she thinks she has to appear to be against profligate spending. Yes. No matter well, that she all... voted for all the that big tax cut that was the biggest waste of money that we've waste had in money. years to make I the think top it was a 1.75% richer. And the idea that it should go to the $75,000 is the ceiling for the relief checks. Right. $75,000 is not a lot of money, especially if you are unemployed due to COVID. Right. And maybe you're getting unemployment, but maybe you're not. But they don't want to household that has two earners, the household income is at 150. But if you're a family and you're sending your kids to school and doing all that stuff, for us boomers, that may sound like a lot of money, but it's not. It's middle class and people need extra. And I'm no economist, but it seems to me it'll help jumpstart economic growth by getting people out of spending. That's right. They need to spend it, not save it. $1,400 is 
a car repair. Exactly. That's a very good point. Oh, that Collins just, I'm obsessed. I'm not really. I'm not <laughs> you were obsessed with her. You were I'm not obsessed. losing sleep over her, but I hate that sanctimonious self-righteousness. Like, oh, no, that would be wasteful. It's like, you have no right to talk about waste ever again yes. the rest of your life after your voting right. Just shut yes. up about waste. No, she's awful. She's and just awful. if she awful. had to live on $75,000, it would severely curtail her lifestyle. It certainly would. I think they get in the uh, mid 150s. Well, plus one... uh, plus God knows what other money well, she gets. Well, my Susan Collins is Joan Manchin. Oh, who, yeah. He's trouble who too. Is, oh, on the filibuster. Oh, my God. And he also is against Joe Biden's choice for the Office of Management and Budget. Oh, he's right. He's put the kibosh on, on that woman. So he's just trouble. He and Kristen Cinema, the two mm -hmm. of them. You know, the problem with Joe Manchin is he wants to save the filibuster in the name of Senator Byrd who used it to filibuster against the Civil Rights Act. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to antagonize him because we're going to need him. But also that he thinks he owns West Virginia and that other people like Kamala Harris shouldn't visit go there. West Virginia go. Without, without getting his prior approval. Exactly. What the hell is that? Well, he's known as being rather eccentric anyway, but I'm not a fan at all. I'll say he is a Democrat who has won in deep red West Virginia. So yes. there's something he's doing tactically that's right, but it's frustrating with him sometimes. But, you know, West Virginia is a very poor part of the country. I mean, right. it's, it's where miners used to, it's very yeah. poor. And the fact that he's against this $15 an hour minimum wage is just crazy to me. It is weird, but those states gravitate towards right-wingers. Look at Mississippi. It's the maybe the poorest state in the country and the most Republican. We'll have to find a sociologist to come on and explain that to us, a uh, political what's scientist. The what's the Matter with Kansas is a book yeah. that explains that. And it is, as Obama once said, guns, God, and gays. Mm, mm -hmm. That's what they're right, voting. Right. And boy, did he get slammed for that. Oh, yeah, that's right. It. Yeah. Anyway, I did want to just mention this apology that Justin Timberlake did to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson. He kind of did them both in the same bucket, but he has never actually apologized or stood up for Janet Jackson. He was the one who ripped the jacket off of her that exposed her breasts. Oh, wow. In that Super Bowl halftime that they did in the 90s. Right. I think it was the 90s, 90s or early 2000s. And, you know, her career was really compromised when that happened. Mm -hmm. As, of course, it's the woman who was exposed who got right. the flack for it. Right. Justin Timberlake didn't get much flack for it. He kind of muttered an apology and apologized to CBS and the audience, but never to her, which I think is pretty unconscionable. But now he's apologized to her. So la-di-da. I guess I feel like it's a little not enough and too late. Well, how did that happen? Did he hold a press conference or do it on no, the Tonight he, Show? Or He published it. I don't know where he published oh. it, but it was written. It wasn't the New York Times or I would have read it there, but it sounded like something his publicist had written for him on his behalf. It was a little lofty, but... Well, yeah. Um, I mean, it's and, and why does it have to be public at all if he owes her the apology? That's very true. And I feel like, as you were saying that, I was thinking what he really needs to do is apologize to Britney Spears privately. That's what did he do to where, her? Well, he slut shamed her. They were young when they were together. They were both in the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, you're right. And then later fell in love when she was, I think, 18. And they were together for four years. But when they broke up, I guess you weren't listening to the podcast last week because I went over this. <laughs> he basically threw her under the bus and right. said, 
she cheated on me. And and then he went on, I think it was Howard Stern, and said that he had had sex with her, whereas the entire time she maintained that she was a virgin uh. and that they had not had sex with each other and that she was saving herself for marriage. So he was not a good ex-boyfriend, right. to say the least. Right. That's all I'll say about that. Justin Timberlake, you still got work to do. So I wanted to talk to you about Nomadland. That's the oh. one with Francis McDormand. Oh, okay. And you've probably seen it. Have you seen it on, on Hulu? Do you have? You don't I don't, have I'm not doing Hulu these days. Okay. Well, Hulu has gotten much more interesting with In and of Itself and Palm Springs and Nomadland. I'm, I'm now a bigger fan of Hulu than I was. It's a fascinating film. It's done by a, a Chinese woman. She wrote it, directed it produced it and edited it and it's just beautifully done it's the story of a woman whose husband has died they lived in a company town when the company went under the entire town was basically erased even their zip code was taken away mm. she stayed there and stayed there and eventually lost the house that they lived in and ends up in a van it's the story of her i want to say adventures although some of them are pretty harrowing as mm -hmm. she's living her life in this van and she, she has some resources she doesn't have to live in this van she could live with a relative or two there are other options for her and people are concerned concerned about her because she's living in this situation, but mm -hmm. she finds herself a community and she's very resourceful. It really is just her journey in both solitude and community as she finds herself on the road going from one place, you know, from the Badlands to California to Arizona and on and on mm. around the country. It's very meditative in places. It's funny in places. It's really a one woman show. I mean, mm -hmm. there are other people who appear in it and the other people are actually not actors. They are real nomads themselves and they play themselves. But she just gives a tour de force performance as this very prickly, kind of wonderful, funny mm -hmm. woman. We see her and there's no pity in her. There's no self-pity. And there's no self-pity in the other people who are in this situation either. But one of the elements of the story is that she works at Amazon seasonally. Like okay. around Christmas time, she works at Amazon. So she, right. she travels around, then she comes back to the Amazon place. Right. And what you get is the sense that these people have been thrown away through capitalism they don't have a nest egg. They right. work from paycheck to paycheck all of their lives. Right. And what they're left with is maybe a Prius, maybe right. a van, maybe an RV, but they're all houseless. Mm, wow. Some struggle more than others. Uh huh. But what you understand is, and the wonderful thing about this director is how she views humanity and how beautifully she captures these lives in all their fullness and their richness. I think you'd really love it. I'm going to have to take on Hulu for a while. I felt like Mike last night while I was watching this Danish, oh, Danish yeah. film. What was interesting is juxtaposing it to Nomadland, which is the story of a woman and her journey, her very internal and external journey through America. And here are four middle-aged Danish men who are all teachers in the same school. And what they decide to do is they've heard that there's a psychologist who says that the human body is 0.05% in deficit of alcohol. So they are going to make up for that deficit in alcohol. Trouble ensues. I won't go into it, but it's a very surprising film. 
really, I thought I'm going to hate this film, but I happen to really love the work of Mads Mikkelsen, who is a wonderful Danish actor. He mm. did something called The Hunt, which was a Danish film. He was the bad guy in the first Daniel Craig. James Bond? He kind of had a one bloodied eye. Okay. <laughs> he was really, really mean. He plays Hannibal Lecter in the Hannibal series. He's known to American audiences in some capacity, but what he's really known for is he's just a huge star in Denmark and he's done every kind of role. He's a former dancer and this one, he dances a little and it's really amazing. The story of these men who are very dissatisfied with their lives and was interesting, again, juxtaposed to Nomadland, these lives are subsidized. They live very, very well. There's nothing wrong with their lives except that they have found themselves in middle age having these crises of feeling out of touch and unchallenged in their professional lives and in their personal lives too, some of them. They go on this, well not excursion, they take on this experiment. And it's a look at how they function and the, the foibles of being male in this Danish society. Oh, okay. I think you would love it, even though they're all straight, which is yeah. kind of boring. I mean, there's a boring quality to watching Danish films because everybody's white. They're all so monochromatic. I love straight guys because I... <laughs> I have a fair amount of internalized homophobia, so I enjoy focusing well, on straight go. guys. Well, in that case, this might be right up your alley, but <laughs> there, some of it's funny, some of it's tragic. It really kind of runs the gamut. So those are my two recommendations. I mean, they the, sound great. Well, I'm all in if it's Danish, you know that. Well, the one you must watch is Call My Agent. Oh, I've the started first... watching it. Yeah. Did you love it? Yeah, they're all so beautiful that I have a little bit of trouble. My BGD starts to kick in a little bit, but in spite of that, I've enjoyed it. I, I think I only watched the first episode so far, but I liked it but a lot. Did you watch the episode where she goes to the plastic surgeon? Yes, yes. And, and didn't that make was, you feel better? No, because she, she decided not to go through with it. I was disappointed. No, but she's so beautiful and everybody's telling her, oh, you need a little lift. You need a little filling. You need a oh, little yeah. this and a little that. And she's oh, so beautiful. Yeah. She is beautiful, but she's also like 30 years old. So I, mean... <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. They're so crazy. They're yeah. so crazy. She's, I mean, she's in her 40s. Obviously, she's in her 40s. But what's so cool are all the views of Paris. And the agencies in the Place Vendôme, which is, it's kind of like the Fifth Avenue shopping district of Paris, where all the, oh, really? all the high-end, Hermès is there, and all, all the high-end stores are there, and it's, it's just so fun to see them in Paris. I love all the views of the city. I just love that the Parisians are so fucked up. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> oh, and the guy, the little gay guy is so cute. He's oh, one of the assistants. Great. Yeah. He's, he's great. amazing. He's amazing. He's He's kind of the star of the show as far as he's I'm concerned. He's really great. He's kind of a Randy Rainbow type. He's just wonderful. Yes, he is. We have to talk about it more because yeah. well, I, I think I only saw the first two episodes. Oh, I have to pick it up oh, again, so we're too. On the, yeah, we're in the same zone. We're in the same boat. Yeah. Well, I think we're at time right now. I guess we need to say sayonara to our boomer friends. Yep, yep. It's that well, time. Well, boomers, it's that time of day where we're going to shuffle off to Buffalo. Okie doke. Stay safe out there. Bye, boomers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. So okay. long. Okay.